Recording live from inside the power band. Get out your fucking checkbook. <laughs> Get out your fucking checkbook. <laughs> Dude, it's still one of my all-time favorite things that Chad Walsh gave me was that link to that video. That video is so good. Fun Town. Fun Town Auto. Dead Burt Lesbians. <laughs> You can pick a booger prize out of Sim Sim's nose. <laughs> I'm going to touch your privates. So fucked up. So good. In this episode, everybody dies. I'm Kevin Muller. With me as always, C-Lab Forever and Jarhigo. This week, we're going to continue our conversation about music that we started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're going to throw in a little recap of that right here. I thought we could talk about 10 out of 10 albums. Weezer's Blue Album. Blood Trigger Sex Magic. Oh, yeah, that's really What about good. you, Mulvey? First Rage Against the Machine. Definitely Check Your Head. Animals by Pink Floyd. Top 10, top 10s. Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Slightly less murder, but... No murder, but that was the Well, thing. less yep. murder. You were very defined by the music you listened to when you were younger, you know? That and then now it's like infinite songs and infinite albums, and it's just like, it's, it's overwhelming. Impossible. There's a whole Walking Around the Mall soundtrack called Mall Soft. Oh my God, <laughs> come on, really? It's not for everyone, but it, I like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> And this week, we're going to continue talking about that. Uh, Chad, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you. Go. <laughs> yeah, I just want to do a bit of follow-up and see what you guys thought of the homework from last show. Um, Mulvey, what did you think of the music? Uh, well, I, I was enchanted, Chad, Aww. if I can say that. Um, you know, we talked... It's funny, like, when you have a conversation like that, like, when we had the first one... Um, it started. It made me start thinking about music more, and um, which was great. And of course, I listened to Baroness, uh, Ben's recommendation, and I also listened to your playlist on Spotify, and um, I found them both to be quite enchanting. Baroness was a great mix. It, it like I was saying before, it, it sounds like three different things. I can't exactly put my finger on which influences they are, but um, it's definitely got a lot of heavy to it. It's definitely got a little little prog rock feel to it, which I love being a huge Yes and Rush fan. Um, it's just good stuff, man. Really well written and arranged, you know? Really good musicianship there. I really like that a lot. And I really dug your playlist too, man. There was a lot of hip hop tracks on there that I had just never heard. Like the first one that I really dug a lot, man. Really great grooves. So um, that was my uh, that was my experience with that stuff. I'm really curious to hear what you guys thought about those soundtracks. Yeah, no worries. Benny, what about you, bro? Yeah, so all the stuff you put on was super shitty and posery, I think, uh -huh. Chad. So yeah. <laughs> we're just going to have to start over again with that stuff. I don't know. Maybe you got some more. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, your stuff was really great. Uh, like Kev said, the uh, the hip-hop stuff was fucking amazing. I really, really liked it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> you had some stuff that I've already heard. Uh, definitely LCD sound system. Yeah, that's a classic. Love that song. Um, I think I found that song on like a Microsoft commercial for like the surface or something. Sound of Silver, I think is the album that came off of and that was in heavy rotation for a while. And uh, yeah, this, those songs were just popping up all over the fucking place, but, uh, great stuff. Great stuff. Ben, didn't they do Daft Punk is playing at my house? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah. That's a great track. That's a really yep. great track actually. Cause Daft Punk is playing in my house. 
Bow, bow. Yeah, it was kind of funny because all we really talked about was pretty much rock music and the golden age of hip hop in the last show. And like all I've been listening to recently has been hip hop. So my playlist must have been like, huh? This is totally different than what we were talking about. No, it was really nice stuff. Um, There's like a YouTube playlist of like instrumental hip hop that I've been listening to. And it was very like the music was very similar. So I was I was grooving on that stuff. What did you think of the soundtracks? The soundtracks were are you know uh, fantastic, uh, especially in my opinion. The Terminator is just amazing for for what it is. The the synthesizer sounds are just just, just perfect. Um, I, I don't think I've heard anything quite like that since. It sounds so raw. It's like it's like people wailing on pipes. I was uh, I'm more used to soundtracks as opposed to scores, and so when it became super clear, super quick that both of them were scores. I was like, oh yeah, right. Yeah, of course they're scores. They're It's not a Tarantino movie. I could totally picture you just like creeping around a mall like you were talking about listening to those things. Just like smashing windows and like throwing people across the room. <laughs> I know, I, do. I did say that, yeah. Throwing rocks through windows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> when, when you initially said uh, Terminator and walking around malls, I immediately thought of the scenes in Terminator 2 where, you know, Arnold's chasing him around the mall after he busts out of the arcade. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I, I, I just visual I just yeah. visualized what you said, myself running around the mall listening to that music and just smashing things, and that was a very funny visual. But the best thing the best thing about that is is that you'd have headphones on so nobody would hear the music and you'd just be like causing a ruckus. And everyone would be like, What the fuck is wrong with this guy? And you're just like, Yeah with the tunes just blaring. We gotta, I gotta, we gotta write that into a film or something. That's a great idea for a scene. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> it immediately, like the the fact that their scores immediately like brought to mind scores that I really liked. Um, like um, whenever I need to get shit done, like really get some work done, I'll uh, put on the new Daft Punk um, Tron soundtrack. God damn, that's a good soundtrack. Oh god, yeah, that is really good. Such a good soundtrack. Yes. And then there's like really, really Christopher good. Nolan's a lot of his soundtrack stuff and um, Darren Aronofsky's stuff, like the Fountain soundtrack. I think it's like Mogwai. They do a really great, great soundtrack or a score. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it. I've heard that band. Yeah, um, Batman Begins. That's a really good but soundtrack. It totally sent me down a down a down a hole of of scores. Yeah, right on. Um, you know, it's a really good one uh, from a film that I know Ben and I are huge fans of. Chad, I don't know if you are, but um, if you're not, you should be. And that's Dread, the uh, Carl Urban. I've, I like the film a lot. Future classic. Well, I haven't listened to the score or soundtrack of that. Oh, one. it's so good. Well, the the music is such a great part of that film. And I downloaded it a couple of weeks back and uh, started playing it in the cars. I was driving around. It's just so good. Really, it's it's got a, that similar sort of raw quality to it. Gritty, you know, kind of scuzzy, you know, kind of feel to it. Not unlike the Terminator, you know. But the Terminator sounds like, you know, you can just feel like there's some dude somewhere just wailing on something with a metal pipe in the Terminator soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> <laughs> No, for me, um Baroness, man. I um I haven't given my thoughts on Baroness. I ended up firing them up in Spotify. When you search for an artist in Spotify, it comes up with their most popular stuff. So and so I just did that just to get a flavor for it at first. I didn't know where to start. And as a result, like the first couple songs, as with most artists, are like clearly the most universally loved in terms of like anyone, as opposed to like B-sides and deep cuts that more of like the, the turbo fans are into. So it wasn't until like the third or fourth song where I was like, okay, I get this, you know, like 
Cocanium and Isaac are two really good songs I really enjoyed a lot. I think the title of this episode should be Music, Deep Cuts, and Turbo Fans. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. No, it doesn't, Chad. It sounds great. <laughs> Is there an album of uh, Baronesses that you would recommend people start with, Benny? No. No, I have no idea because I, I came in, you know, I think uh, they had just released the Purple album, which is the newest one. So I really have no idea. When, Chad, when I texted Ben today and I asked him that question, he said, I don't know, man, like the Purple album or whatever. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. And I listened to just like a bunch of their popular tracks. I listened to Morningstar. That was really, really good. I liked that a lot. And uh, there were a couple of others that I listened to. But they were all from various different albums. Yeah, yeah, I, for sure. I all the tracks were good. It's just I've been so out of the metal and rock loop that it took me a couple songs to kind of sink my brain up to it. I think with Baroness, there's a smattering of goodness across all of it. And you know, I think with the earlier stuff, like the Blue and the Red album, are, are you know they're a little heavier in general. Not that that's a bad thing, um, but they're just a little heavier. And then uh, the Yellow album was kind of the Yellow and Green album was all over the place, and then. The purple album was kind of like, uh, as far as I understand, a little more balanced, you know, like kind of them moving forward a little bit from the heavier stuff, but also keeping the heavy roots really, really well tidied. So it's all about the purple album, man. It's all about the purple. I dig them. I'm glad you guys liked it. No, I did. I did. Yeah, it was great, man. Great recommendation, dude. I think I think you made a great point, Kev, where you were mentioning um, in a chat we had last week on the phone that uh, you started listening to a bunch of like Chili Peppers or something again. Or... One of our many chats. Yeah. They're like fireside chats. They are, but yeah. there's no fire. I have a bubble pipe and a, and a velvet jacket that I wear whenever we talk on the phone. Exactly. How very Bart Simpson of you, yes. No, you're right, Chad. I, I did. I started listening to, like, you guys were so jazzed about Blood Sugar in the last uh, music episode. I was like, man, I had totally forgotten about that album and how great it was and then like i fired up the first stone temple pilots this week i was listening to total recall uh, you know when we were kind of right before we fired up tonight you know just like yeah really really cool in terms of a in terms of a good segue into the main meat of the episode talking about all of the older stuff nostalgically and then deciding to to dig into mtv this week like even just reading a couple things about mtv it was like oh man i forgot about so much of this stuff and forgot just how formative mtv was for me when i was a kid I know. It was great. So let's jump into that. The question we're posing is, what happened to MTV? And the obvious sort of answer is like, you know, they got away from video programming and started adding in more reality shows and people started caring a lot less about that. I was reading a bunch of stuff about it. And, and I think uh, one of the strongest things I read was, you know, they were talking about the millennial generation and how they're just not into MTV. They are so not interested in paying for cable. And they watch things like Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, on top of that. And this is me sort of adding my own bit to that is that, you know, the programming is just, it's too juvenile. It's too trashy. You know, like, you know, back in the day, when they started adding in that other programming, especially the, like the animation, like my immediate thought was, this is cool because this is another art form. That it was, I was looking at it like, oh, this is cool. This is like a platform for like various different types of artistry, you know? And in addition to having like, you know, music videos and now cool shows like 120 minutes and all that sort of thing, you know, we'll have like cool animation, you know? And even the real world, like the first couple of seasons of the real world, that was like really different and groundbreaking. Like nobody had ever done that. 
I thought those things fit in well with what they were doing. I just feel like that started to take over too much, you know? Yeah, then it got out of control. Yeah, way out of control. Yeah, I think think, um, to riff off of what you were saying... I would say that the internet happened to MTV, where yeah, yeah, similar to our conversation uh, about music previously, where we have other things that we can spend our attention on. Music can take a back seat, and I think you know MTV was the only kind of edgy, youth-oriented thing that that I had access to when I was ten. But by the time I was fifteen, and the internet was kind of taken off, that changed, and that was also around the time that the reality stuff was starting to take over MTV as well. So you just kind of stop watching it and start spending your time on online, so to speak. But uh, the the animated stuff for me uh, was massive, you know, like it was like things like Liquid Television or Beavis and Butthead or any of the comedy stuff. Like it was like my first exposure to certain types of the comedy shows they put out, like The State or Tom Green Show or Syphil and Ollie or Beavis and Butthead, but also the liquid television stuff was like the first time I'd ever seen any of the Japanese animated style of stuff with all these crazy animators. And it was on at like one in the morning, you know? So some of these shows were just out of the blue for me. Oh, that's right. I forgot liquid television was part of MTV. It was massive for me. I used to stay up until one in the morning and record it just because it was like the most mind-bending, psychedelic, crazy thing ever. I know. How cool was Aeon Flux, man? Dude, Aeon Flux it even was ha- it the never best had- goddamn thing ever. Pre, like before they made a show where she spoke, like the fact that she never spoke was amazing. The Max. And the Max, totally. The Max. Oh, the Max was so good. Well, let's circle back to the, I think, you know, we've been meandering all over the place. It would be good to like start at the beginning. I think the fact that MTV even existed in the first place was really earth shattering for me. It just sh- popped up on TV one day. And ever since I came across it, I just couldn't stop watching it. And originally it was just music videos all day, every day. And I had even forgotten about things like the um, the little words at the bottom of the screen, you know, like the who did it and who produced it and finding out about the artists and stuff. And so just even the concept of music videos at all was super groundbreaking at the time. It was a neat way to discover music for sure. I lived, I grew up in the boonies. so. We didn't get cable until, you know, I don't know, I, I might have been like 12 or something like that, you know. And uh, yeah, MTV, fuck. I, I found it and I, I stayed on it for a long time. It was just a great way to discover music. I don't remember if the very, very beginning had shows or not. It was, or if it was just videos. Uh, they used to play the young ones and they played the monkeys. Uh, like at certain times, you know, like they play like old shows. It was cool. I meant more like the the shows that were genre specific, like the shows that would show only like Headbangers Ball or you know Amp or UMTV Raps. Like oh, I can't remember if it was oh, just like a oh. smattering of random videos at first, or whether they had them kind of segmented yet. Well, when they first started, I mean, I, I came into it when they were you know gathering steam, so uh, it wasn't it wasn't a long time before Headbangers Ball was a thing or UMTV Raps was a thing. But yeah, I mean, I imagine it was just videos. At first. It was. I don't know. We'll have to ask somebody who knows. Put it out there to the audience. Well, I mean, it launched in 81. It launched in 81 and I was nine. And I remember a friend of mine, um, they had cable. We didn't. Like, we didn't get it for a long time. But they had cable and they had MTV. And, like, that was just on all the time. Like, in the play area. Like, in the playroom, whatever. We were watching MTV all the time. Yeah, same. It was just great. I mean, it was so... And I remember it was just like... Videos, 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 nonstop. 
And then a VJ would come on every now and again and like introduce a video or a couple videos or talk about the artist a little bit. But other than that, it was just straight up videos. It was great. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I think everybody did. It was so different and cool. Yeah. When I was reading about it a little bit yesterday, I hadn't really realized that um, the videos and music that was featured on the show on the channel were quite different than what was featured on radio. And so like a lot of the artists that wouldn't have gotten airtime on radio were getting airtime on MTV. And as a result, we're selling a lot of records locally. And it like totally changed the dynamics of the industry at that time and and, like brought a lot of artists to the front that wouldn't otherwise have probably made it in the industry. I thought that was really interesting to hear. Definitely. I think the first video I remember seeing was uh, Can't Get There From Here by R.E.M. I mean, R.E.M. became really popular, but for that to be the first video that I saw, it's like a really kind of off the beaten path song by them that they just did a video for like way back when. And it just happened to be on, you know, like I was flipping channels. I was like, what the fuck is this? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that like you, how much the visual stimulus of the video grabbed your attention and then you started listening to the music. Because even just watching some old MTV footage like from AMP and stuff yesterday the visuals just grab you. And then you, then you start really like, you know, like, oh, okay, this is interesting. What is this? Did you just say amp? Was that like their electronic music thing? Yeah. Amp was the best, man. Yeah, that's great. It wasn't until much later that that came into, into, into being, but it was a, quite a eye opener for me. I think uh, the first video I remember is take on me by aha. The one where like the dude like goes into the, hand-drawn world or whatever i was just thinking about that yes so cool that one blew me away when i was like six or whatever that's a great we should talk about uh some of those iconic like classic videos like that that one is definitely one. Oh my god yeah I, I yeah that one blew me away too i mean talk about just like in terms of like creativity man and artistry like it was just so different and the whole idea of like you know, something that's drawn on paper coming into the real world and vice versa was just like, I love stuff like that. That whole concept I thought was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. I was quite young when that one came out and I think the video probably cemented it as a, as a song that became like a favorite at the time. Yeah. I always think about, uh, what was it? The video for, uh, money for nothing by dire straits. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Was it the, yeah. Kind of some of the first like computer animation. <laughs> totally. It was like, <laughs> it was all jankety and blocky and shit. But like everybody was like, whoa, what's that? Oh, it was so weird. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Ben, you know what it looked like? It, it looked like the original, like the uh, characters in the original Tekken video game. <laughs> totally. Oh, uh, yeah, right. So dated now. Maybe a little worse, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably worse. Definitely worse, actually, but funny. Yeah. I was going to jump on like uh, Peter Gabriel always had some pretty fucking cool videos too. Like, uh, absolutely. Sledgehammer. Yeah. The Sledgehammer video and uh, big time and big time. Yeah. But Sledgehammer was amazing. Absolutely, man. Sledgehammer was incredible. One of the ones that jumped out at me a second ago, I'm just like off the top of the dome. I don't, I can't even think of half of the videos was that, was it land of the confusion? Was it Genesis? Land of Confu- like the Muppets one with Ronald Reagan and stuff. That one was like crazy. Oh man, yes, great track. Yeah, and it used those caricature puppets. Can I just digress here for a second about that particular track? Yeah, I was reminiscing, remembering whatever that song just popped into my head uh, like a couple of months ago. Man, what a great track! And I downloaded it and I 
I put it into rotation on um, this playlist that I have. But uh, Land of Confusion is such a good track. And I think, it, I think it's almost even more poignant now and more relevant now than it was in the 80s when it came out. Because what they were talking about was, you know, living in this land of confusion where it's like, you know, nuclear war and is it going to happen and all of this sort of thing. And everybody was really on edge about that, man. And, you know, now, 30 years later, like, we live in a very different world. But I feel like people feel the same things. And it's worse. We look at these uh, huge companies that sort of run a lot of things in the world. And China has become this huge player in the global global landscape. And I think that song is more relevant today than it was when when Phil Collins and company wrote it back then. Mm, it's like full circle. Absolutely full circle, Chad. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, we can also throw in the fact that it is literally a land of confusion when we're talking about like, uh, you know, alternative facts and yeah, it's exactly fake news. Uh, totally Ben <laughs> things like that and the fact that people are getting you know getting their information in a bubble you know in, in one bubble or another bubble you know and things are bent in a completely uh, political direction it's crazy yeah it's it's hard to know like what it's very confusing to know what the truth is these days well, yeah what's real and what's not man you know all these things that happen it's like you hear about a million different uh, reasons and opinions um, from a million different places. And like nowadays, you're just like, well, what am I supposed to believe here? Yeah. And then as soon as you start forming an opinion about something, some other crazy thing happens that distracts you from that previous thing. <laughs> Don't even know what to, what to even pay attention to anymore. That's a good point. Yeah. The news cycle is the news cycle is not 24 hours anymore. It's like 30 seconds. You know, <laughs> it's like the next time somebody tweets something, you're like, what? Like, like it's hard to it's hard to form a complete opinion about something before there's another thing on your plate for you to like digest. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. So land of confusion, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very poignant. One of the one of the random ones that comes to mind. I don't know how old I was when it came out, but um, I think it was Touch of Grey by the Grateful Dead, or either way, it was a Grateful Dead video where they're all skeletons, and I remember being so young that the video like scared the bejesus out of me, and I couldn't watch it. <laughs> That's just how young I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It, you'd probably laugh if you watched it now, because it's so lame, you know? Oh, it's probably just the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, it was just pretty cheesy. <laughs> Yeah, another thing in terms of the music videos themselves that really struck me looking back was just how much of a launch pad they were for a lot of video directors. Like some of these guys like Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry and so many other people like launched major motion picture directorial careers out of a couple of music videos for like, you know, Bjork and Daft Punk and stuff. And I just had kind of forgotten about that. Yeah, you know what? I totally forgot about that too. And you know what? You're right, man. It, it, it's it's cool how it sort of turned into a platform that allowed all of these, you know, up and coming directors to to gain some experience and to show their and experiment too, like do crazy stuff. Show exper- exactly to experiment, show their talent, show their craft, and to sort of get themselves noticed, man, and get them get them to the next echelon. Yeah, very cool, great point. Because they were so like some of the videos were just so wild and out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I, well, I think like you know the, the, to get back to the videos we were talking about before, 
I think those kind of raise the bar, you know, there's some of the Peter Gabriel videos and the, and the, you know, Genesis and, and aha and all that, like people started getting really clever with them and making them extremely entertaining. And so it raised the bar and yeah, they weren't just a band standing in front of a camera. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. And, and, uh, you know, like who, who did the video for around the world by Daft Punk? Uh, around the world was Michelle Gondry. Michelle Gondry. That video is amazing. It's so simple. It's literally just a sound stage, and everything just you know everything just takes place in one space with like one camera angle, really. Right? And it's like, like an MC Escher style, like distorted perspective. Everyone's just walking around on a little platform or whatever. Yeah, every, yeah exactly. Everybody's just kind of going around like different. These different sort of characters keep coming in and, and going away, and you know they sort of like seem to represent different little parts of the song. Fucking. It's so good. <laughs> the first time I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> it's just so clever and so entertaining. Yeah, I think, you know what? There might be something lost to that, you know? Like, maybe you're not going to see uh, really creative directors like that. Well, I think nowadays YouTube is where people do that kind of stuff. It's not even necessarily music videos anymore. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sure. Yeah, totally. I agree. I can't remember when it happened, but at some point they went from music and music videos and the crazy music videos, and then they started doing a lot of shows, and the shows were like the music-related shows where they were Headbangers Ball or Amp or UMTV Raps, and it'd probably be worth dig- digging into that as well. But then, you know, and then it transitioned to the non-music shows. So maybe touching on the music shows like Headbangers Ball and Amp and UMTV Raps for a sec would be cool because UMTV Raps for me was an introduction to hip hop and rap music because being, you know, a piece of wonder bread on Nantucket with a bunch of wasps, you don't get a whole of a lot of exposure to, to different cultures. You know, I wasn't living in the city or anything. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Um, I, I, I just loved, um, I loved, um, you know, MTV raps. I, I didn't initially like Fab Five Freddy. I thought he was annoying, but I came to love and respect him. And then later on when um, uh, Ed Lover and Dre, you know, were on it, like they were great, man. And and they were, they were sharp and they were clever and they would, they would call out like the rappers on, you know, some, some of the idiosyncrasies that they would do that. I always thought that was really great and really funny, you know, and kind of turn it on its ear a little bit. But, you know, again, like it was, huge exposure to something that I was being exposed to, you know, as a kid, but it just added more to it, you know, and I don't know, especially being so close to New York, like it was kind of a big deal, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned uh, in the last music show that your, I think it was your older brother or, or somebody's older friends, like when you were cool enough to drive in the car with them that you would hang out and cruise around and listen to music. And that was how you got (laughs) some music. And for me, I'm the eldest, so I didn't have any older siblings. And I kind of, you kind of almost feel like you're being let in to a secret when you watch something like MTV raps, where it's like an older brother, not literally, but like an older person, like telling you what's cool. And you're like, Oh, okay, this is cool. Okay, cool. I can get behind this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now it's time. Now you're ready for Yo MTV raps. Come on in here, junior. Yeah, totally. Like it's super cheesy sounding, but MTV was kind of like an older sibling. They were telling you what was what was legit and what wasn't legit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Ben, what was your what? What are you like? What, what about you? Did you were you getting a Yo MTV raps? Yeah, I love Yo MTV raps. I, 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 absolutely. I, also, I was uh, obviously a huge uh, Headbangers Ball fan. You know. Oh, of course. 
and, and that was that was definitely a source of a lot of good stuff that showed up there. So I never particularly cared for Ricky Rackman, but you know. Oh my God, Ricky Rackman! Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's quite a name. I forgot about him. Yeah, Ricky Rackman. He was the host of MTV Headbangers Ball. Yeah, I mean that was like you know like we're as UMD raps like uh, you know Fab Five Freddy and Dre and Ed Lover were like I feel like they were like more integral parts of the show. Headbangers Ball could have just been like videos, you know. Like you mean to say like they didn't need Ricky Rackman? Like it just they just should have played the videos. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was cool he was there because sometimes I, I think sometimes they would do like interviews and stuff, with, you know, they'd have a guest. Yeah. The interview stuff could be really interesting. Which was, that was very cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not that Ricky Rackman was bad. It was just, it was almost as if like, I don't know, there's just something forced feeling about the whole thing, you know? I always felt like he was kind of like the poser who, <laughs> yeah, who didn't like, he, he, he had a band, but then he, he, that band didn't do well. And then somebody was like, Hey, do you want to host this show about these types of bands? And he was like, sure. I know a lot about that. <laughs> and then Beavis and Butthead ended up being better hosts for headbanger music than he was. And that was how you ended up watching a lot of it. Right, right, right. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to show Ricky Rackman. No, no, I didn't either. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. But yeah. But um, at the time, yeah. At the time, it just felt forced. And yeah, Kev, you're right. It was like something. There was something posery about it. It's it almost like I got the in, in, I got the feeling that he just didn't want to be there. You know, <laughs> which is kind of metal. Yeah, but maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just didn't want to be there. It wasn't that I was a poser. It's that I didn't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, did you guys, you know what I really liked that came a little bit later that I thought was cool and I thought the host was awesome. He was by far, in my opinion, one of the best hosts they ever had. You talk about Matt Pinfield? Oh, dude, yes. Yeah. Matt Pinfield. This is 120 minutes. <laughs> and that's that's how he was too. I I remember because I got I I remember I loved his voice and I loved his like whole thing and I got I got the impression for Matt Pinfield down to a science at one point. You know, well what was so great was that he was always so like short and to the point. It was all about the music. That's what I loved about Matt Pinfield. Like. It was like, okay, here I am, and we're going to start talking about the music right now. And he would always have, like, great facts. He did his homework. Like, it was really, really good, you know? And in the opening of the show, it was so simple. He'd just go, I'm Matt Pinfield, and this is 120 minutes. And that was it. Didn't waste your time. Great stuff. Yeah, no, no time wasting whatsoever. It was really, really great. I don't remember 120 minutes. I'm sure I watched the hell out of it, but I just uh, don't remember it at all. It was... 120 minutes came later after, like, you know, sort of like the... I don't want to say the grunge scene, but after like all the quote unquote alternative music came out, like when, when that became a thing, alternative music, like yeah, was, that's when 120 minutes came out. Right, Ben? Isn't that, am I remembering that right? Yeah, it was like the alternative show. Yeah, right. Exactly. Speaking of evolutions, man, one of the things that completely broke my brain in the best possible way was Unplugged, man. That was so unbelievably good. Like the Nirvana Unplugged, I think, is one of their best albums. It's just so fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Really good, man. And what a really cool idea and concept for um, a show. You know what I mean? I can't really remember many of the other artists and stuff, but it was, yeah, super creative. I, I don't really remember a lot of them either. But, you know, the, I, I will say, you know, we didn't talk about the history of MTV, and I, I kind of wish that we did, and we can cover that 
another time perhaps. Um, but I will say that I do know where the inspiration for MTV Unplugged came from. Do you guys know where what the answer to that is? Ben, you might know. No, I don't know. What lay it on us. <laughs> oh, lay it, okay. Yeah. Uh well <laughs> So the inspiration for MTV Unplugged came when um I think it was at the MTV Music Awards or the Grammys, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora got up on stage and they played Wanted Dead or Alive and it was just um, the acoustic guitar and John singing and, and Richie singing. Yeah, right. And that was it. And so whoever whoever worked for MTV was like, wow, that's so great. And they took that and made that into, that became, that was the concept. And then boom, there you go, MTV Unplugged. It was so, It was so good. I suppose also being, you know, growing up on an island in the middle of the fucking ocean, I couldn't really go to concerts and stuff. So just the idea of an acoustic set or people playing their heavier stuff acoustically, I had never been exposed to. And so it was super just like, oh, wow, you can do that. It also, you know what it also did, guys? It really, it really, um, it really separated the men from the boys in many ways. Like, like, you know, if you were, if you were able to go on unplugged and sound really good and do something really cool, it was sort of like, yes, you you really know your craft well, you know. I don't know about that, man. But I'll tell you what, LL Cool J <laughs> did MTV Unplugged, and that shit was fucking sick. That would be amazing. Mama, Mama said, "Knock you out." That that was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, Ben. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, I don't know though. I mean, you know, like. I don't know if you're separating the men from the boys by playing acoustically. As a musician, I'm just I'm just throwing that in there. Well, you didn't have Millie Vanilli unplugged, so yeah, I get it. I mean, you had to be a real band. I'll say that. Much. That's you what know, I'm you saying. Know, you had to be Nirvana, or you had to be the Stone Temple Pilots, or you know, Kiss, or LL Cool J. You know, look, I was I was trying to say that without saying that, Ben, but you said it. Yeah, I'm just looking at the old list of stuff. Who else did it, man? Who else did it? Man? Oh, man. There's just like, I've just opened up the Wikipedia. There's like 10,000 Maniacs, Joe Walsh, Stevie Ray Vaughn, Sinead O'Connor. Oh, yeah. 10,000 Maniacs is great. Elton John, Aerosmith, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Almond Brothers, Poison. The Clapton one always stands out to me. Oh, yeah. Clapton. Yeah. Yeah. Pearl Jam. All kinds of crazy stuff. Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, obviously. You get the point. There's a whole list. We'll put it up in the show notes. No, no, no. It's a, it's a good show. They got great, great people to play, you know, like people that were uh, really relevant and current and also, you know, like Clapton and you know, like classic, you know, great people to play. Yeah, but I don't know, man, that, that LL Cool J, I totally forgot about that. And like, yeah, know, me too. When you can get a guy like that on there and do that and make that awesome, like that's, that's sort of the point of what I was making. Props before. to you. Yeah. You know? If you're not if you're if you're putting out stuff that's just like overproduced and you're not really that good, it's like you're not going to be able to be on unplugged. You know what I mean? Because you don't really have the talent. You know what I mean? I think that's what I was driving at before. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think I definitely think that it's legit. Like both of you were saying the same thing in the sense that like, you had to be a real band, and there were definitely people on MTV that were not real bands. That's you know, that's true. That is true. It, it, it 
it, it did last that long, yeah. You mentioned a minute ago, Kev, just in passing, and I'd completely forgotten about it, the MTV Music Awards, man. That was crazy legit. I remember watching it. Uh, when I was super young. Totally. Just the moon men and all the dumb shit. I remember like being obsessed with it and watching the hell out of it, like with my cousins and stuff. Yeah, it was really good, man. It was like, it, it became like a, a thing, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to say like the Grammys, but I mean, I, I think it, I feel it to me like it, it sort of became like the golden globes of music, yeah, man, yeah. you know, it was like. For a, for a period of time anyways. What about the non-music shows? Does any, like we touched on it a little bit earlier, did any of the liquid television comedy stuff or, you know, any of that kind of stuff resonate with, with you, Benny? Oh, I, I love liquid television. I love, I love the influx. I, I really love the Max. I love Beavis and Butthead, uh, Daria. Yeah, I liked that stuff. I thought that was great. But then when they started moving on to like Road Rules and uh, the real world, they fucking lost me big time. And I, it was the beginning of like reality television. Like they really pioneered. I feel like the popularity that now exists of reality television is due to those shows. And I, I fucking hate it. I totally agree <laughs> with that. I, I, I hate to be a hater, but I do not like reality TV at all. And I, I wish they hadn't have done that. <laughs> at the first, the first season of Real World was quite interesting for me, but it quickly got out of control. I think it did too. And I think also like, you know, it, I think it showed after like season three that, reality wasn't so real once people knew like oh that this is reality tv like once they knew that it was in fact reality tv it was like you know it's like once you stick the observer into the experiment it changes the experiment it was the same idea like like once you got to season three or four rather it lost that like real edge that the the first one had yeah people started being abrasive on purpose and it, it was inter- it was entertaining at first, but entertaining like you're rubbernecking a train accident. You know, like it's just not. <laughs> no, you're right. That's well said. It's not okay. This isn't okay, and I feel funny. <laughs> and that was when I started watching VH1, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's that show with the little bubble pop-ups during the videos. <laughs> totally. Oh, I love totally. that, man. That was great. Pop-up video. Pop-up video. That was so good. It, like VH1 was created for the older people. And then once you got old enough, you migrated to VH1. I think that was sort of like the natural progression. That's it. Yeah, they're, they're still playing videos, you know, <laughs> occasionally. And uh, the head shows directed to us old folks. At the tender age of 28, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, Kev posed the question, what happened to MTV? The internet and reality television happened to MTV, man. <laughs> There's the short answer, folks. It went to absolute shit once the reality TV took over. Exactly. So if you want to skip to this part of the episode to find the answer to the question that I posed at the beginning, go for it. Then you don't have to listen to the three of us yammer for... Too long, didn't read. The internet and reality TV. TLDR, exactly, <laughs> man. If you don't want to waste your time by listening to this podcast, just go ahead and... Uh, you know somebody's going to write that in the comments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, who cares? The internet and whatever. Later. In fact, we just we just blew it for them because they were in the middle of a paragraph and we they were still listening and we just said that. And they were like, God damn it. No, no, no. <laughs> they paused it, wrote a bunch of tweets, and then unpaused it. And now they're like, well, I still did it first. Fuck you guys. First. <laughs> First. <laughs> that brings me back. 
that's great. I completely forgot about all the comedy stuff. Like I remembered the music y stuff obviously being MTV and then the animated stuff like liquid television, but I completely forgot about the Tom Green show and the state and Jackass even being on MTV. But now that I look back, like it was they really pushed a lot of crazy comedy stuff out. Oh, Fuck yeah, that, that you're right. That was I did like that stuff. Yeah, I did like the Tom Green show. I loved. I loved. <laughs> I did like Jackass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jackass had its moment. Jackass had its moment, and then they dragged that moment out behind a car until it was just bloody pulp of skin and bones. Yeah, yeah. Went went on for a little too long. I think. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I completely forgot that the state was on that was on MTV because I was big into the state when I was young. I did too. Yeah, there was some there was some good sketches on that. That's Tom Lennon was on the state, and he's awesome, man. Yeah, you guys remember the bacon sketch from from the state? Remind me. They did like a they did like a you know like they have like, like pork the other white meat advertisements like oh that. yeah they have like right like meat right, propaganda right, right. <laughs> advertisements basically mid nineties so right. meat propaganda yeah they did like a meat propaganda advertisement for bacon. <laughs> it was, it was That'd be pretty good. Fucking hysterical. A meat. Wait, 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 wait. A meat propaganda advert for bacon in favor of bacon. The state, yeah, did a you know satirical meat propaganda advert for bacon. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's really great. They did some out there stuff that was really cool. You know, dude, the Barry and Levon two hundred and forty dollars worth of pudding sketch. Man, I still quote that one. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might say, Barry, what are you going to do with all that pudding? That's a lot of pudding. <laughs> so, so retarded. Like the most juvenile shit ever. And I loved it. It was. It was a lot of juvenile shit. About, uh, I'm going to dip my balls in it. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that because I was just about to say it. Hey, everybody. Eddie's coming. <laughs> He's going to dip his balls in some stuff. <laughs> or like after a while, he would go, you know what I'm going to say? No, we don't. I want to dip my balls in it. <laughs> so ridiculous. I think like the state and In Living Color were were competing for the dumbest, craziest shit. In Living Color. Now, there was a show that I loved, man. Mm. Not on MTV. Not though. on MTV. <laughs> no. And this is not a show about that show. Yeah. I mean... It's fun to reminisce about all this stuff. I think for me, like one of the last things that I ended up watching or listening to on MTV before I stopped watching it all together was like amp and the electronic stuff. And then I just kind of pieced out. What, what were the last kind of things that you guys touched on there and before you stopped watching MTV? Like, why'd you stop watching it? Oh, wow. Great question, man. I would say I feel like like the real world was the reality stuff. One yeah. of my last memories. Yeah, but like later into the series, like Real World 8. I mean, like that went on forever, man. It's still going on, I think. So, yes, I, it probably is. I, I'm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was it for me. What about you, Ben? Um, I think, honestly, it was Jackass. Jackass is the, the last thing I remember watching on MTV. And that was like after a long hiatus. That was, uh, that was uh, shit, I had already moved out. I was living out here. I was living on Nantucket. I think the last thing I really paid attention to before that was probably Amp Chad. So, yeah, it's like Amp and then and Jackass and uh, that's it. And we all moved on. And then we all moved on. And MTV continued to rattle around and produce horrible shit for years. Here's my question. Does it still even exist? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it does still exist. Yeah, it does. I think, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> sure it does. I have no idea what's on. They, the they do. 
No, there's it's like mostly just programming, and then Rob Deerdeck has like twenty shows. <laughs> Do they have a cooking show? No, for real. Yeah, Rob Deerdeck cooks America. That's what it's called. No, I have no idea if he has a cooking show. But there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of like stuff literally hosted by Rob Deerdeck, and then there's just a bunch of shows. It's just kind of like whatever. I, I wish somebody would just go back to like the old formula, man. Like just let's show videos all the time. I just wish somebody would take that thing around the back of the house and shoot it, <laughs> and then reinvent it. <laughs> I'm with Kevin. I think like they could do like a, a like a like a YouTube stream that's just on all the time. And they just play videos. That would be cool. Like a mix of like new and old videos. Yeah, kind of like the Matrix, man. Go back to the source, bro. Because I never listen. I never really watch or listen to music on YouTube, but it's a huge part of YouTube. People listening to playlists on on it. Well, here's the thing: you, you have that, and then you have like the live chat on the sidebar. So it's like people. It's like live Beavis and Butthead. You know, like people can either shit on the videos as they're watching them, or, or you know, <laughs> and you can see that, and you can add to it. I think that would be cool. There you go, MTV. Go forth and prosper. Go forth and prosper. Just, just, just start doing it on YouTube and and let the comments, the, the live comment situation, be a thing. <clears throat> There's Ben. You're welcome, MTV. <laughs> you have your reality television and your music videos at the same time. Yay! Bada bing. That's a good place to wrap it up, right? <laughs> I think that there's definitely things we didn't talk about. Uh, we didn't talk about the history of MTV. That's the only thing that I sort of wish we had talked about. But well, we kind of did. But but like, maybe we'll do that in another episode. Maybe not. Now nah, we'll see how we go. There's going to be plenty more music episodes from time to time because it's such a huge, a huge topic. So I think it'll meander quite a bit back through the MTV history stuff as we talk about different stuff, diving into genres and diving into artists. We didn't, we didn't talk about Kurt Loader or anything. So Kurt Loader, yes, that's true. We didn't talk about in Kurt memoriam. Loder. I don't even know if he's dead, but in memoriam, Kurt Loader. <laughs> and there was a gal. I remember there was yeah. there was a news gal on there. there one of the gals on the news. I, I was just. I had such a huge crush on Serena Alshel. Yes. Oh my God. Now everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone knows. You're out, buddy. And by that, I mean everybody in the world. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? So, yeah, I think that there's plenty of opportunity for us to talk about this in the future. And in the meantime, find our show notes at ebd.fm. There you go, buddy. Um. Yeah. Check out the show notes. We'll post up some um some of those playlists and stuff like that for everybody to enjoy. And then um, what are we talking about next week? Uh, stuff. Stay tuned for that, folks. Next week, stuff Ooh, right here I on the Blob Podcast. In this episode, everybody dies. Peace. I'm going to uh, kick back and listen to the new uh, Devin Townsend album on my Zoom. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Three hundred songs. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about today, you can find them in the show notes in your podcast app of choice or at the website ebd.fm forward slash five. If you have any thoughts on the show or an idea for a topic, hit us up on Twitter at ebdpod. You can find me at Mulverine on Twitter. That's M-O-H-L-V-E-R-I-N-E. Chad is at Chad Normal on Twitter. And Ben is at Jarhego on Twitter. That's J-A-R-H-E-E-G-O. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, folks.